But I looked down and the cutoff weight was 19 stone. So I thought, why, oh, lad, I was four stone too heavy to have done that ride. So off we goes up in the mountain with the guys and the guy was coming around and he was putting little flags on and he got to me and he didn't have a one for me. I said, excuse me, excuse me, but you haven't given me one of those. Do I need it? Is it a safety feature? He says, but you don't need one. I went, well, why don't I need one? He says, well, what it is, he says, when we drop the table and you've come off, he says, you go at such a speed. He says, and if you're heavy, you go too fast. He says, you'll be at the end of the ride before you've started. He says, you don't need one. He says, you're, you're light enough. That was a massive non-scale victory to me because not 10 minutes earlier, I had our read at my heaviest. I was forced to open too heavy to have done this ride. And this guy was telling us I was too light. I didn't need a flag to slow us back. That acted like a sail and they stopped you going too fast. It was an amazing experience and only possible because I've lost my weight. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Swimming Stories. Hope you're well. This is the start of the new season, the next season for autumn of, of inspirational guests. I've got a brilliant guest for you to inspire you. But just before I tell you all about our new guest today, I just want to say that it's glorious outside. It, the sunshine is absolutely beautiful today, and I believe that we're going to have lots of lovely weather in the UK for September. How glorious is this that we're able to enjoy the sun in the September? And I'm all set for a lovely day out tomorrow at Alton Towers. It's my son's last day of his school holiday, and no doubt I'll get over 10,000 steps done. And yeah, it will be a, a day of trainers, no doubt, because honestly, the, the miles that I can cover at Alton Towers are absolutely epic. But I'm so excited just to release some new episodes for you. And Alison Berry is today's guest. You may well have heard of Alison within the Instagram space, within the Slimming World space. She's actually a Slimming World ambassador. And I just want to start by saying that she's been at Target for nearly five years so she's definitely somebody that you need to pay attention to if you're on your weight loss and fitness journey because she's really just, yeah, she's just nailed it. And it wasn't that she's had a really smooth, easy journey. And actually, she, she found herself struggling with a, a weight issue for, for over 30 years until she bit the bullet and actually did something about it. And she had many opportunities where she could have made those changes. But Alison will explain today exactly why she was really motivated to lose the weight this time. And, you know, she's been at Target for over five years, so she's definitely doing something right indeed. And, you know, she's had health problems, health scares. It's all in there. It's all in here, all around her mental health. And now she's really... I guess, found a new zest for life. And I'm very jealous because I took a holiday a couple of years ago where this zip wire is and I couldn't do it because of clouds in the sky. But Alison, you know, she did this. And it's amazing to think that, you know, she's transformed her health from a 22 stone body. She's lost 11 and a half stone. So without further ado, is introducing Alison to her episode of Slimming Stories. Enjoy. So when you're ready, Alison... If you just want to give us an insight into what took you through the steps of thinking, I need to lose weight, what happened to change your your outlook on your health for you to put changes into place? All right, Claire. Well, I had a lot of steps that I should have taken um, way before I did, but I didn't. 
I mean, I can remember going back as far as my childhood. I wasn't a greatly overweight child, but I always could tell I was slightly bigger than my peers. I can remember um, the local disco we used to go to on a Saturday. We used to meet up as teenagers, excited girls. We used to go to each other's houses, try and, you know, swap clothes, tops, trousers, the makeup, the shoes, the handbags. I never got to share the clothes because I was always the way I was just maybe one size bigger than my friends and their clothes didn't fit. So I swapped the shoes, I swapped the handbags. I was quite happy. As I say, I went to the disco, we had fun. But I was always, looking back at my childhood, I was always just that little bit bigger than friends. I never got bullied at school, but it was it was always up, up in the head that I was a little bit bigger. I went on in life, um, met my husband, and we got married just before I was 19. Lovely, lovely day, lovely wedding. Went on to have three lovely children. Three children before I was 25. Alicia, my firstborn, and Scott, then Michaela. And I was only 25 myself then. Um, and I coped, I coped well, very well. And I used to see other people, and I said, E, God, how are you coping? And I said, Well, you're exactly the same. You've got three under five. And I said, Oh, God, yeah, I have. Um, but I lost no baby weight in between any of the children. Um, so people used to say, Oh, she's content. And I was, I was dead content. I had a lovely family, lovely home, three lovely children. And I was content, but I was also the start of my problems because I didn't do anything about losing the baby weight. Um, it just carried on. It carried on through my life slowly, like a snowball rolling in the snow, really just gathering, you know, a little bit weight here, there. And I can remember my mum and dad, um, they were dead concerned. They would say, try and lose a little bit weight, love. You know, you know you, you'll feel the benefit. And I knew they were right, but I can remember just me thinking, well, I'm only 25. Yeah. I'm only in my 20s. I've got plenty of time. And then it was, I'm only in my 30s. Then I'm only in my 40s. Then I'm only in my 50s. Hang on here. You've wasted your life. I had. I totally wasted my life, gaining weight slowly but surely. And I didn't realise, but I was... Had give like so much I'd wasted, and so much I was missing out on. I, I don't feel like the children missed out on a lot as as they were younger, but as we got older as a family, definitely. I loved the fun fair, and um, would go to the fun fair quite often with the children. We have a big travelling fair comes to Newcastle, uh, the Hoppins, and I can remember um, loving loving the fair. But there was one time I went. Got on the ride, sat on, and the, the guy come round checking the safety harnesses. And he tried to close the ride, and it, it wouldn't wouldn't click the safety harness. And he tried three times, and he said, "Sorry, you'll have to get off." Yeah. I was mortified. I did a walk of shame, but I only walked as far as the candy floss stall and bought a candy floss, and it cheered us up. And I should have done something about it then, but I didn't. Some may say want them to look at the, the safety around the seats and maybe make them bigger, yes. make them more accommodating. But the first thing that you'd reach for there is is that, that comfort. Yes. Did you notice a, a connection with your with your love of all things sweet? I know that you know it's the go-to thing, isn't it, that, that parents give 
And it was giving yeah. children the, the sweet, the candy. And is that love of, of sweet and sugar, was that formed quite early on? And, and what are your experiences around receiving sweets as a treat? Well, I have definitely got sweet tooth. In fact, I've got a full set. I just don't have the one, you know. Um, and my mum and dad had as well. And I can remember treats. I mean, we we didn't have... Um, my dad was a, uh, worked in the shipyards and he was often on strike. So we didn't have, like, money to waste if you, if you get... And so things like that were treats. We didn't have a great deal, but we did have them. And... Like you say, there were, there were rewards. I mean, my mum never sort of said, do this and you can have that. You know, it wasn't that sort of reward. But special occasions are always something nice and sweet there. Because was, you know, what we used to call a picnic tea. We had, we had it on the floor with sandwiches and crisps and cakes and, and whatnot. Things like that. But I have I've just this thing for, for sweet foods. I crave them. And even my whole time on Slimming World, I've never not had chocolate because I, I love it. You know what I mean? And fast foods and pizzas and things like that, they don't taste the same to me anymore. I, I can't like, the, I don't like the taste of most foods that I used to eat now, but not chocolate. Chocolate's not still chocolate. the same. Yeah, it's all very comforting. So with that candy floss, after having that experience, what went through your mind at that point? I, just, I was a little bit disappointed. I was a bit sad. I was a bit upset. But then I just thought, well, I'll have to look for rides that I will fit on, that I don't need the safety harness anymore. Um, because I was in denial of how big I was becoming. I just thought, I'll not go on that ride anymore. There, there was plenty of other things, but obviously I do like the thrill of the big rides, the fast rides, the rides that go upside down. I did love it. But then it got to the point where I became the bag watcher because quite a lot of the rides I couldn't fit on anymore, or I was afraid that when I got on the ride, the embarrassment of having to get off again. So I, I developed this sore neck. You know, as you do, you tell your lies, your white lies, you tell them to yourself, you believe them. I mean, I said, no, no, and I'll go on that. I've got a sore neck. No, um, I'll watch the bags. And I sat with those bags dying inside because I really did want to be on those rides with them and I think they knew that as well but it was um it was just one of those things that it just didn't happen anymore uh, I mean I told lots and lots of lies I can remember telling my husband who didn't I didn't want to go on the plane anymore because we'd come back up for holidays obviously I'd gained weight and I tried to fasten the seatbelt and it was so tight and it took us a good well, it seemed like an hour, but it must have been only a few minutes trying to get the seatbelt fastened. And it was just not happening. And then all of a sudden it clicked. And I thought, that's it. I'm not moving. I'm not moving out this seat. I'm going to go to the toilet. People will have to squeeze past. I'm not budging because there's no way I'm asking for a seatbelt extender. I didn't want that embarrassment. I knew I needed it. And I knew if I travelled on a plane again, I would have to ask for a one. So I told the husband there'd been an air disaster. And I said, I'm frightened. I don't want to go on the plane anymore. We still got our holidays abroad. We went on the ferry with a caravan. Took a caravan and we still got abroad. But until about two or three years ago, my husband believed it was all because of an air disaster that I didn't want to travel on the plane. He believed us. But I, I apologised to him. I said, you know, it was just because I didn't want, want the embarrassment. 
Um, I knew I should have done something about it, but I didn't. I didn't. It was just wasn't wasn't happening then. I mean, I was. Um, I would walk into rooms, um, basically. If I'd been out with friends in my own friends' company, I was fine. But I used to get the fat jokes in and pull myself to pieces because if I was doing it to myself, I was fine. They weren't doing it to us. They didn't have a new joke to crack, and I would I would cope that way. But if I walked into a, a room full of people where I didn't know anybody, maybe we'd gone to an event or an occasion, I would scan that room as quick as I could, looking for a table that was tucked in a corner, tucked out of the way, you know, so people didn't notice us. But at 22 stone, you couldn't help but notice us. You know, people would look, seeing the look on their faces, the jaws dropped. You could read their lips. I often heard things like, whoa, look at the size of her. And I would just scurry to the table and sort of hide. And then, obviously, I, I, I was sometimes scared to go to the buffet table because I would feel like people would say, oh, let's see what she puts on that plate. Look at the size of I should clear the tables type of thing. I was almost scared to do that in the end. Um, and I know, Alison, the other guests have explained about being on the on the plane and that moment where they realise that they need to to reach for that extension. And I've had that feeling where, you know, I put maybe a pair of jeans on and the, the too tight, but I'm really, I'm really struggling to fasten. And I remember as well coming back from, I think, a weekend away with my husband, going in Sainsbury's and then realising that my actual trousers had split while I was oh. in the supermarket. And I'm having that moment of like, oh my God, can you know the ground just open up and, and swallow me? Because it's just that that sheer embarrassment. But I also, like I said, I know how uncomfortable it can be to wear tight-fitting clothes when I mean, really shouldn't be wearing them because they are too tight. So sitting on that plane and having that really uncomfortable feeling, how was that, you know, how was that plane journey? And did you get up from your seat? I never budged from the seat. I was terrified too. I thought if I got up and I, it wouldn't fasten, I would have to ask for the extender. It was unpleasant. It was uncomfortable. As I say, I suffered diverticulitis, so it, there, there was an issue I may have needed the toilet. Um, but I did, luckily, it was just a short-haul flight and I didn't need to sit for hours. But I would say it's been seven years, I think, it was that I hadn't been on a plane before the next time we took a plane for our holidays. And that feeling of getting on the plane again, um, sitting there, 11 and a half stone lighter, being able to fasten that seatbelt and pull it in, not being on its very end tag, was amazing. Just an amazing feeling to be able to do that again. And I think this will be really relatable to anybody that's maybe planning on going holiday and that needs to to look at their weight loss and also just to talk to the things that we would take on board to cope those those coping mechanisms and what we have to do to be able to live in in this body with a family that expect us to to go on these flights and you know you spoke there about having to to make up this story to your husband how did yeah. your husband feel realizing that actually this this was just something that you made up to be able to change that process and not get on that plane again. Did he understand that that you had to do that just to get by? Well, luckily, my husband loves driving. So a driving holiday to him is, you know, he loves it. Yeah. So he didn't question it really much at the start. He just thought, all right, we'll drive. 
But when I eventually got around to telling them why and the reasons behind it, he says, I didn't know. He says, you didn't tell us. I says, well, I was too embarrassed. I mean, I was crying. I actually broke down and told him that that was the reason. I felt it was a silly reason, but it wasn't silly at the time. And he didn't see it as silly. He understood that I couldn't. It was my coping mechanism, the way we could still have a holiday, still have a holiday abroad. And luckily, as I say, he loved to drive, so he didn't question it, really. But we have we have flown. We've done first time ever long haul um, before old Rona hit. We did long haul, and it was an amazing, you know, amazing experience to be able to do that. I would have missed out on so much more if I hadn't, you know, started me, me journey. And having had that experience on the amusement ride, and then having this experience on the on the plane, but then also explaining that you changed the way that you did things. Was it a while yes. after that experience that you actually decided to to make some changes and to really look at your health? Um, a good while, really. I basically sort of struggled through life. I was existing. We did things that needed to be done, but if I could get out of something, I would. I made an excuse. I didn't want to do, I didn't want to go places. I can remember, uh, since I've lost my weight, family said it was, Mam, um, I can remember we used to organise days out. I mean, I'm, my children are now 40, 38 and 36. So they ha- have had family days out. And they said, we used to organise a day out and then plans had to change suddenly because they realised, oh, there'd be no way for Mam to sit down. Mam won't manage that. Mam won't enjoy this. Basically, I'd spoiled a lot of things that the family wanted to do together because they had to think ahead. No, I didn't have to make the excuses. They knew I was making them, probably. But I was spoiling days out, planned holidays, things like that, because they were thinking, was I able? You know, was I fit enough? Could I manage it? Was I small enough? Um, yeah. There's lots of things that I could have done. And I haven't because my weight held us back. So that really spoiled a lot of things in my life. Me thinking I was just plodding on. But the biggest thing was my health. I was in such bad health. Blood pressure through the roof. I used to wear a um, blood pressure monitor, diverticulitis. I had uh, antidepressants. And I was so close, I happened to wear a sleep apnea mask. And that health really was the crescendo. I ended up in hospital in January 2013 with a severe flare-up of diverticulitis. Now, I don't know if anybody knows what it is. It's a bell complaint. You get little pockets in your bell, and they fill up with waste matter. And some people have trouble going to the toilet. At my worst, now, this is at my worst, I went 40 times a day to the toilet. It was like a disability. I used to have to plan routes via toilets. I couldn't go shopping normally. I would have to say, oh, now there's a toilet there. There's a toilet in that shop, and I know I can go in that one. And I, if I had to go shopping, which I absolutely hated, I would do it via a shop route with toilets. But this flare-up I got in the January, um, I had been feeling poorly for about two weeks, not knowing what it actually was, just feeling under the weather, thinking, oh, whatever this is, I wish it would come out. It felt like I was coming down with flu or something. And I just kept getting worse every day till one day I ended up being blue lighted at the hospital. What had happened was the pockets in my bowel had formed cysts and lesions and the waste matter was actually leaking into my body. 
Um, it had been doing this for a little while and um, my body was closing down. The uh, doctors in the hospital had said my organs were closing down. I was gravely ill, basically, that morning. I didn't really remember much about the first few days in hospital. I was sort of in and out of consciousness, really. It was so bad. But I can remember it stuck in my mind, a very deep voice saying, oh, we need the lifters. We've got big in here. And that deep voice was in my head for a few days. And I was on the hospital ward for about two and a half, three weeks, obviously gradually slowly getting better, thankfully. And I remember sitting talking to one of the nurses on the night shift and I was asking her different things, what they'd been doing, what this injection was for, why, why I was getting this. And, and I asked her about that conversation I'd heard. And she put it in a sort of a nice way. She says, well, she says, you are rather a large lady. She says, and um, nobody wants injury. She says, and we've got these special lifters. She says, what we would have done, she says, we would have rolled you on your side. She says, and we would have popped these in, these underneath you and rolled you back. She says, and they inflate. She says, and act like a hover. She says, so we can hover you from bed to, to the um, trolleys and et cetera, et cetera, for, for your treatment. She says, so nobody had to lift you. God, I was mortified. I'm pleased I didn't know what it was at the time the guy said it. I was actually mortified that they had to use special equipment to lift us in the hospital. It was just, it was awful, but I still didn't do anything about it. I come home from the hospital, thankfully with a fully intact bowel, we convalesce at home. And I just sat on the sofa feeling sorry for me. I did nothing. My exercise was getting up, going to the toilet and to the fridge. I just sat feeling sorry. I thought this was the way I was for the rest of my life. I was this this big person and there was nothing I could do because I'd done every diet. Hearing that conversation from those nurses about that, you know, like you said, it, it, it was mortifying. And and then to, to hear that you didn't do anything about that, what was it that took you to change? Well, I used to go to bed. On a night time, your husband would be fast asleep snoring. I used to go out of bed and I used to lie there and think, Sister night, I die. Am I going to wake up in the morning? I'm not going to wake up in the morning. I'm going to die. This is how I'm going to die. And I used to think, God, how big is my coffin going to have to be? Who's going to carry me coffin? This is, this all went through my head yeah. and it brought us down to a very low point. But that low point was as, as far as I could get. And it was my daughter-in-law that brought us up from it. She gave birth to my grandson, uh, Joseph. And that's all I ever wanted to be was a grandma, Nana, as I'm called. And she wanted to lose the baby weight. She was due to go back to work. And she asked me, when she went back to work, would I look after Joseph for a day and a half a week? Now, by this time, I had given up my job as a school meals cook. I had issues and I, I didn't feel like I could cope. So I, I left me my job. So I was free to look after Joseph. And I thought, great, this is all I want to be. I want to be a fun nana. I want to be a nana that takes him to the park, takes him swimming, plays in his little pop-up tent in the living room. And I thought, hang on, he's going to be 10 months old when she goes back to work. He's going to be crawling, possibly running around. And I'm going to have to be his sole carer for the time I have him. 
I can't even bend over and cut my own toenails. How am I going to give this little boy the attention he deserves? And I wanted to be that nana he deserved. And I thought, the weight and the size I am, I can't physically do that. So it was Abby had said she'd wanted to join Slimming World. And would I go with her for moral support? And I thought, all right, I'll go. And I thought, well, it's the only thing I haven't tried. And believe you me, I've tried everything. Cabbage soup diets, everything. You name it, shakes and pills. I've done everything. Um, and yes, they all work. They all work for a, for a time. And then I used to get bored or I didn't like what I had to eat or I wanted what I couldn't eat. And basically, I couldn't keep up and I always regained the weight and more. Um, so I said to Abby, yes, I'll go with you. Oh, good on her, she's losing, wanting to lose the baby weight, something I never did all those years ago. And I thought, I'll stay with her for a couple of weeks and then I'll be back to normal because it's just another diet, isn't it? In my eyes, I thought, I'm starting a new diet. I better eat everything I can at And by God, I went through all my cupboards, fridge, crisps, sweets, cakes, I even had cubes of jelly just to eat things I thought I would never, ever be able to eat again um, because I was starting another diet. And I sat in the new members talk on a Tuesday thinking, this can't work. I can't eat chips. I can't eat rice, potatoes, pasta, chocolate. I can eat all this and lose weight. So I half listened. And I sat in that image therapy thinking, hang on, there's something different about this. I'd never experienced anything like it. People were getting awards, they were getting clapped, they were sharing things, sharing recipes and experiences. And I thought, I like this. I quite like it. I think this could work. If you'd like to just talk us through getting on those scales for the first time and having huh? having that first way on the scales for, yeah. I'd imagine it was a, a while before you'd, you'd been on the scales. If you just want to talk us through that moment. Yeah, well... I had visualised I was a certain weight and I certainly wasn't. I thought I was under 20 stone and I wasn't. And I got got on the scales and she said, 22 stone, one and a half pound, and my heart sunk. I felt terrible. The girl on the scales looked at us and she says, I can see in your eyes, she says, you really do want to lose this weight. She says, it's the last time you'll see the number on those scales. And by God, was she right? I never, ever did. It was an awful feeling. I felt low, but I thought... Well, you've hit the bottom. You've hit the bottom. The only way is up. And it was. The only way was up. I loved group. I love it. Um, I just love the support you get. I never set a target. But I thought I wanted to be my mum's weight. Um, my mum weighed 12 stone. We're about the same frame. And she had it. She's quite a trendy mum. And I thought, oh, if I just get to her weight, I've got a wardrobe full of clothes I can just lend. I don't need to buy any. But I got to that weight and it wasn't where I wanted to be. My body kept, I kept losing weight and I wasn't particularly trying that hard. Um, so I, I tried to stick a target for about three months and it just wasn't happening. I was keep dropping and I thought, this is my body telling us there is a little bit more to lose. So I did set another target then and I lost um, another one and a half stone. And it's the best thing, best thing ever. So on your journey, Having lost the weight, and like you say, you, the medication's gone. Yes. When did you notice a change in terms of your how you felt? You know, for anybody that suffered depression, will know that a morning can be quite a hard task just to get up and motivated and ready for the day. So, 
Having started to lose the weight, when did you no seem to notice the changes impacting not only your physical health, but your mental health? Physical health, I noticed within two weeks, believe it or not. As I say, I, I used to go to the toilet a lot. And within two weeks, I noticed that had slowed right down. Within eight to ten weeks, nothing. I, I always, will always have the disease, diabetic colitis, but I don't now suffer the symptoms. So that was a massive, massive change for me. But mentally, to say there was a, a, a switch, there wasn't. Um, but as I as I lost the weight, I got a lot of things back. I was slowly regaining my health, just simply walking up the top of the stairs without being out of breath, walking to the shops, just doing little things. And all these little things were helping up here. They might seem tiny little things to some people, but when you're suffering a depression and you, you can't see a way forward, all these little, to me, non-scale victories were making a big impact on my mind. Things like um, squeezing past something and you look and think, God, have I just got through that little tiny gap? It wasn't a tiny little gap, but it was. To me, it, I had squeezed past, I'd climbed over something. Just little things. And then slowly me, me body magic, as people call it, got better. I don't drive. I, I would get the bus. And then I started getting off a stop early and walking the rest of the way, then two stops, and then thinking, oh, I may as well, may as well walk the rest of the way. And that walking, I was able to think when I was walking and get things right in my head. I do a lot of planning when I'm walking and I talk to myself when I'm walking. And that helped. It helped greatly with up, up here. And yeah. I suddenly realised I wasn't feeling like there was no hope anymore. And I, I spoke to my doctors and he, and he gradually reduced the tablets. And as I say, I'm not on them anymore. Um, it was just just the best thing, you know, just it, it was the walk. And I think that helped most because I get things right in my head, you know, and if they're not right in my head at this particular time, I go for a walk. You poor right. dog's legs are two inches shorter <laughs> now. <laughs> I think we're so busy sometimes, we just we forget to be still. Yes. And with, you know, mobile phones, with computers, with Netflix, with what's on the TV, with the demands of the kids, there's a real importance of having that stillness. And what I mean by stillness is being able to go for a walk, by all means, listen to your headset if you need to. But I also think that going out for a walk and just being, I know it sounds really weird, but being at one with nature and just being out, an open totally. space, a green open space, whether it's or on, or on the beach, and just having that that time of, of clarity yeah. to kind of acknowledge your thoughts, but acknowledge that they can pass too. And, and it's almost, to me, it's a bit like having a filing cabinet and emptying that filing cabinet and everything's all scattered. There's, there's no rhyme or rhythm. But when you're out on the walks and when you're having that time away from just to be you with yourself, it's having that time just to get clarity on on the messy bits and being able yes. to arrange your arrange your thoughts and, and arrange your life and like you say you, you can plan can't you you can't when, yes, when you're totally. on a walk and, and have that time as well to to think ahead and, and think about what you really want and yes. now that your health has improved and like you say you've got your had your grandchild to look look forward to and all that time how was yes. your time with them 
having lost that weight and how how did that make you feel because I know that you spoke about you felt that your family went without but it's almost like a rebirth isn't it you had that second chance it is yes how was that for you oh I have so much fun um obviously as a little baby he I was still a bit overweight um it took us around about 18 months to lose me weight um but I was getting fitter and fitter as as the pounds dropped off, I felt as if I, I was sort of regaining this um, energy and I wanted to do more. We've done some daft things and we've done like treetop chanting, you know, we did the ropes and the swings and wow. just holidays and things like that. I can remember being on holiday in Holland and there was like, a, um, it was a walk around Safari Park. The animals weren't in cages. There was just sort of rivers stopping them getting to you so you could get really up close with nature and there was like like photograph points and places and they had this big turtle shell empty turtle shell joseph climbed in it and he got his photograph taken and he says nana do you fit now out of the way just a try so here it goes in the tortoise shell i says yes nana fits <laughs> so i had a caption does my bum look big in this <laughs> but it's it's just fab and it's lovely that it's just little things when he puts his arms around us yeah. and then meet at the back and he gives us such a big hug. And that little pop of tender wanted him to play in. Me, Joseph, and his little sister fit in that uh, in my living room. And I could never even attempted to get in it. It would just, I wouldn't have gotten in. It's lovely being able to do things without having to think, can I do it? Will I, you know, will I be able to do it? Um, just to do it. You know, somebody says, are you going to do this? And it's, yeah. I will. I mean, I've done all kinds. One of my biggest, biggest things, I had a bucket list for my 60th birthday and I wanted to do the world's fastest zip wire in it in Wales. Uh, I um, I went down just before my 60th birthday and um, we stayed overnight and went off and we got suited and booted and fastening the helmet on and I'm looking down and reading the disclaimers and whatnot. And you're actually standing on a set of scales it was just a, a plate on the floor. It didn't look like a set of scales. But I looked down and the cutoff weight was 19 stone. So I thought, why, lad, I was four stone too heavy to have done that ride. Yeah. So off we go up, up, up in the mountain with the guys, and, you know, all in the city on a table, and you're hooked up to the wires, and the guy was coming around and he was putting little flags on, on the people next to us because you go four at a time. And he got to me and he didn't have a one for me. Well, I was nervous and I was excited. I said, excuse me, excuse me, but you haven't given me one of those. Do I need it? Is it a safety feature? He went, yes, it's a safety feature. He says, but you don't need one. I went, well, why don't I need one? He says, well, what it is, he says, when we drop the table and you've come off, he says, you go at such a speed. He says, and if you're heavy, you go too fast. He says, and you'll be at the end of the ride before you've started. He says, you don't need one. He says, you're, you're light enough. Now, that was a massive non-scale victory to me because not 10 minutes earlier, I had our red at my heaviest. I was four stone too heavy to have done this ride. And this guy was telling us I was too light. I didn't need a flag to slow us back. That acted like a sail and they stopped you going too fast. It was an amazing experience and only possible because I've lost my weight. I've done quite a few podcasts and I've never heard anybody's you know, non-scale victory <laughs> explained so eloquently. And my goodness, you know, when you think about being able to go into shops, being able to buy the clothes, 
plane ride and, and all of those things. But then being in a position where an instructor is almost comparing your weight to another and, and being at the lowest weight to not have to have any any adaption as compared to that, you know, that plane ride. And yeah. my goodness, that must have been such a feeling. And I know exactly which ride you're talking about. And I wanted to go on it, went to Wales, but it was too clouded, couldn't, couldn't go on it. But just just to go back a little bit there and just to explain how that how that felt when you was hooked up to that zip wire in that moment and, and going down that because I know that the views are tremendously amazing I mean is that even a yeah. is that is that the best expression probably not but they are literally out of, yeah the breathtaking they really are and I know that I know that I've got listeners in, in Australia and America and, and all over, but they are, it's a beautiful part of the world, Wales. Well, you're actually strapped in so tight. Your arms are strapped in, your legs are strapped in, so I could only move my mouth. <laughs> and when he told me that, I was so excited. I was like, wow! If I could have jumped up for joy, I would have, but I couldn't. I was so strapped in. When I got to the bottom, it was like, I had such the thrill of the ride the thrill of knowing I didn't need any adaptation. It, it was just an experience you just can't, it's that feeling that you've done it, you've done something, and I did it for me. You spoke there about going on the rise and, and missing the thrill of the rise and not being able to go on them. Yeah. And, then, and then fast forward to that moment where you're on that, that zip wire. Uh-huh. Talk about an adrenaline, adrenaline rush. It- I mean, my heart was racing because I didn't know what the what the ride was like. And then when he said that, it was like, whoa. I would, I, probably if they took me blood pressure, then it would have been through the roof. <laughs> but it was the, one of the biggest non-scale victories I've ever had. Oh. Ever had. And it was just amazing. I'm so jealous. I am so jealous and I will be going on that ride. That oh, same ride in Wales. I will, I will definitely get there and, and do that. So to anybody listening to this, I mean, my goodness, what an inspirational story that the health, the coming off the medication, both your physical health, your mental health, and then having all of this joy from your, your grandkids and, and being able to get in that tent. It's such such a joy to, you know, have listened to, to your story. But I also know that people listening, maybe they're on the journey or they're halfway through, maybe they feel they're physical health has been neglected to such a point that their motivation is is very low and they're finding it hard to I guess connect to their mojo to to connect to that feeling of wanting to make change what advice could you give to to somebody listening that would really like to start but the the motivation is just not there um simple when I started I was pretty pretty much a sack of couch potatoes I didn't move but what I did like to do in the past was dance I love to dance so I started I mean I've never been in a gym in my life they don't float my boat but as I said I love to dance so I used to put on a CD I closed my blinds because I haven't got a front garden and people walk past my windows so I used to close my blinds turn the music up and I danced at first I could manage two or three tracks off a CD I was so exhausted, I was so out of breath, I was so out of condition, and I sat down. But then I'd get up again and I'd put another couple of tracks on. And eventually I realised I was dancing to a whole CD, then it would be two CDs. I was having the time of my life. I would add a couple of cans of beans and, you know, add a bit 
resistance in it. And it was something I loved doing. And let's face it, we can all do a housework, do a bit of music, and you get yeah. it done twice as quick. All know Freddie Mercury and that Hoover. <laughs> um, it, you know, it's simple little changes like that. And as I say, it was the fact of getting a bus and getting up a stop early and walking the rest of the way. It was just little things I did. I got a hula hoop for a Mother's Day present of my daughter, and I couldn't do it. I YouTubed how to do it, just didn't. But I decided I would try 50 times a day to make that go. And I thought, if I'm not hula hooping, I'm still picking it up off the ground. That's still body magic. One way or the other, I was getting some exercise, and I persevered and persevered till I, till I managed. Now I can hula hoop, no problem. I did a little bit swimming. It's all about taking baby steps. If you walk to the end of your street and back, you're beating everybody on the sofa. Yeah. Before you know it, you'll be walking around the block, to the shops, to the back. Just take baby steps. Just do something. Just keep moving. Even if it's just standing up, if you're watching a TV programme, and when the, when the ads come on, go up and down the stairs a few times. Sit back down, watch the rest of your programme. Next advert, go up and down the stairs a few times. Just keep moving and it gradually becomes a habit. And I enjoy it now. I mean, as I say, I've got a dog. We walk everywhere. I just love it. There's no fog on the time now. So we enjoy walking on the river. (laughs) Yeah, I can just see you walking with your dog and just being free of that weight. And if anybody is listening, I'd like to follow you on Instagram. Alison, what's your Instagram handle, please? Disco underscore diva 59 underscore slimming world. SW, sorry. SW, yeah. So yeah. I'll put the I'll put the link in the show notes too. So if you'd like to continue to follow Alison's journey, just please go over and just give her some support. And yeah, we all need those those baby steps, don't we? At, at times. Definitely. Especially for people that maybe haven't yet started their, their weight loss journey. Just making small changes, even if you know you can't commit to go to a, a group or maybe a gym class or or take that exercise. There are things, even to change doing things at home within your home, to make those changes and make those small small adaptions. And you know, habits can form and and positive outcomes can come from those changes. And it's been an absolute joy to speak to you today, Alison. Thank you so much. For no problem. Me. You've been a yeah, you've been a breath of fresh air, and you've just motivated me to get to where to do that. <laughs> that zip wire, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you have to do it, Claire. Have to do it. Well, thanks for having us, Claire. Such a great episode to start off the the last season of 2021. I feel that I've set the benchmark really high with Alison as a guest. Nearly five months at Target, you know, eleven and a half stone weight loss. And it was lovely to have her on as a guest. It really was. And then to listen how she decided to take herself on the zip wire in Wales. It's just, (laughs) it's one thing to enjoy, you know, the fairground rise. It's another thing to take you up and, you know, be propelled off a mountainside down a zip wire. So hats off to Alison. No doubt I'll be hearing more about her and adventures as an adrenaline junkie that I think she is. Because, yeah, she's she's got this new zest for life and we all want that, don't we? We all want a piece of that. We all want to know, you know, how this has come about and learn from her. And that's why I'm still going to continue to do these podcasts. 
interview great guests and allow this to inspire you for the week ahead. So thank you so much for tuning in for another episode. And if you've not yet subscribed to the podcast, please hit subscribe wherever you listen to the podcast, whether it's on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean. And if you've got a moment just to leave a review, I would love that. Reviews and subscriptions are a way to help me to climb the podcast charts. And this week, I've just been in talks with a guy around sponsorship for the podcast. So I kind of put this off for a little while. (laughs) I've been contacted quite a couple of times with different ideas, different sponsorship ideas, but I've kind of just left that to the wayside. But now I've got a bit more time. My son's going back to school. I thought, you know what, let's let's see where this goes. I'm not, it's not a guarantee that I'm going to take this up, but I thought we'll have a conversation and, and see what happens. So that's something new for the last quarter too. There's, there's so many things that I've got to tell you and, and introduce you to. I'm so excited. I've got some great guests on as well. Some really great guests. So until next time, have a great week ahead. I hope you can enjoy the sunshine at some point and take care. Mm-hmm.